0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving non stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition Bucknutters, it is Thursday, January 18th, 2024. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning Five and Change. And yes, it's me again. Yesterday was kind of an interesting one-off show with Dane Brugler. And I always do the Dane Brugler shows, our NFL draft preview for the Buckeyes. So I'm back again. Got a great show for you today. Uh, Bill and Bill Kerlick, Mark Porter are here to talk all about personnel Wranglings, Transfer Portal, and Recruiting, and then at 9.30, which is 19 minutes from now, we're going to have on Steve Hellwagon to go in-depth on the new AD, Ross Bjork. But first, I think I speak for most men, our sponsor Joy Mode, when I say we want to have better sex, and for the sake of our partner, we may need to have better sex. The issue is that over-the-counter erection pills contain unregulated chemicals, suggest unsafe doses, and include the risk of several other health problems. That's why we've partnered with our friends over at Joy Mode. Whether you're looking to spice up your intimate moments or increase your confidence in the bedroom, Joy Mode makes all natural and science-backed supplements dedicated to helping men perform better across their core functions. Their trademark product, the Sexual Performance Booster, is every man's solution for increased blood flow, firmness, stamina, and performance. It's like a pre-workout, but for sex. All ingredients have been addressed in peer-reviewed journals. All ingredients have been studied and researched in humans. It comes in a palm-sized packet like your favorite electrolyte powder. Simply mix with six to eight ounces of water 45 minutes before sexual activity and watch the magic unfold, literally. Redefine your intimacy and go to usejoymode.com for 20% off with the code BUCKNUTS. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Bucknuts at usejoymode.com ingredients with integrity joy mode. All right. Speaking of talent acquisition mode, we've added Bill Kerlick and Mark Porter to the fold here. Gentlemen, yesterday was a very interesting day, Bill. We're going to start with this two guys. Ohio state really went after that chose Alabama hit the portal. Um, I think they're one and two on your Alabama guys we'd love to have. And that is Safety Caleb Downs, pretty well regarded as the best freshman in the country last year, and Caden Proctor, who started as a true freshman left tackle. Can you bring us up to speed on does Ohio State have interest? Where are they in the mix? Your thoughts of these guys as players? Were you alarmed by their entrance into the portal, etc.? William, the floor is yours.
0: Well, there's no doubt that there's interest. I mean, Caleb Downs, uh, who would not be interested? Uh, I think that um, as most people do, he's going to end up at Georgia or Ohio state. Now, again, everybody would love to have him, but I think in the end, he's going to end up at one of those two schools. Uh, If you had to, uh, if I had to make a prediction right now, yeah, I'd go with Georgia, but Ohio state's still working on it. Um, it's a, a situation where you know he's going to be a, a plug and play impact guy. I mean, look at the honors he added as a freshman at Alabama; they're, they're kind of mind blowing. If he did that much. Um, I, I think his decision will come today's Thursday, and I don't think it's going to get passed at the latest this weekend. So we're going to know sooner or later. He doesn't need to visit these schools again; he's been to them. I mean. <laughs> He knows everything he needs to know. It's just a matter of him making a decision now. As far as Proctor, um, certainly Ohio State would love to have him, but I think that's going to be even tougher than Downs. When you look at the finalists, when Downs was being recruited, Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama were pretty much the finalists with Ohio State and Alabama pretty much the final two. Uh, Proctor... That's a different situation. He was committed to Iowa for quite a while, and he stayed committed to them until the end when he flipped to Alabama. The other school that was really kind of in the mix at the end there was Oregon. So High State wasn't one of his final two or three. So that one's going to be tougher. And I never say never in recruiting. I'm not going to say never, but not particularly optimistic on that one. I I think that uh, the likelihood is that Proctor – goes back home to Iowa where he's got all kinds of deep ties.
1: Don't need the help, brother. Um, Marcus, your thoughts. You did reviews on these guys. Obviously, these were two of the first guys we did when they got in the mix. And uh, they were impressive.
2: Yeah, it hurts my soul to talk about them if we're not going to get them because they're two players that I'm going to present a filet and we might not get to eat that filet. Caleb Downs was as athletic this can be. I mean, just, just think of corner elite corner skills with linebacker hitting ability, playing safety. And he did it on a high level in college. It's a no brainer. Um, even if it's not about NIL and it's between those two schools, I would be doing everything I can to land him. I mean, like Bill's now been quoted many times, five stars and five stars. Yeah. Caleb Downs, then Proctor, we need him so bad it almost makes him the value of caleb downs to get an offensive lineman of that caliber with that type of time left on the clock um yeah and, and again he's an unbelievable pass blocker gets off in the run game has the nasty streak i mean when you go back and watch these reviews you you really want these guys so if, if we're bringing them up today i really hope we're better than 50 to 50 to get them because it'll be sad I always feel like that when I get the, the fans hyped up on how good a player may be, or compare him to Marshawn Lattimore, or get these things going, and then we don't get him. It's like Err. so I, I hope I hope we can land one of the two.
1: You gotta go after him to get them. I mean, uh Ohio State is going after the best of the best. It's like spinal tap, it's the world and elsewhere as their uh recruiting territory. Here's what I would say about the Downs recruitment. <clears throat> he is going to get a large NIL uh, payment, but that's kind of a given and his decision will not come down to NIL. I do think it's going to be between Georgia and Ohio state. And fact, <clears throat> excuse me. I'd be shocked if it's anything else. I haven't heard one other school mentioned, but it's not going to be an NIL battle. I think the schools have both met what he wants and now it's just a recruiting choice. And you have all the other interesting entanglements, you know, They call him T-Rob, I guess. Is it Tavares Robinson, Bill? Right. Yep. Yeah, his his, his coach has gone to Georgia. But keep in mind, he's a Georgia kid who did not sign with Georgia out of the original recruitment. And there was talk of, you know, maybe some tension between uh, the family and Georgia, which would be tremendous. I'll say this. We talked about the Davis and and template. I think you could make an argument that Downs and Proctor are the two best transfers to enter the portal since the portal started um to get the best defensive player in the country and then get him for a guaranteed 2 years and get a, a left tackle who started as a freshman at Alabama when they went to the playoff and you get him for 2 years guaranteed man that would be incredible um I will echo what Bill said. I've not heard anything to lead me to believe Proctor is coming here. But I do think Downs, they're in the mix. And uh, don't forget, Georgia is loaded at safety right now. They already believe they have the best safety room in the country, maybe ever, without adding him. So um, long shot, I guess. But uh, they are in the mix, and they're giving it an honest effort, which is pretty impressive. Now, let's move to this weekend. Speaking of impressive, there is a really impressive group of recruits that's going to be here this weekend. One of your more impressive groups for a non-game bill and a non-event, like as it were. Lots of names, but I want to start with two in particular. One, Jared Curtis. Two, Carter Lowe. When I talked to Jared Curtis
0: last night. Uh, as anybody who's been on Bucknuts this morning saw, I, I had a story posted about him. And tell us a little bit about him, Bill, for those who don't know him. He's a six foot three and a half, two hundred twenty five pound quarterback out of Nashville Christian High School in Tennessee. He is the number one overall prospect in the entire country for the class of two thousand twenty six. If you put on the huddle, his huddle video, watch. Urban used to say, "You know, after." several plays. You know, after watching about two, three, maybe four plays, Jared Curtis's video, he's the real deal. I mean, he's that good. Um, I, I like Ohio State's chances overall, but who else do we have in the mix? It's most likely going to come down to Ohio State or Georgia. He went to Georgia last weekend and, um, he said it was a really good visit. Um, He also said that if things go well this weekend, that uh, he could be making a decision sooner rather than later, which makes me think Ohio State's in pretty good shape here. He would like to make his decision within the next month if he can. And um, the other school, he's talking about visiting Oregon uh, in early February, but he has a seven-on-seven on on the date they've been talking about, so that visit is in question. But... um, uh, this is a huge visit. You get your you have your two thousand twenty five guy already locked up, so to speak, uh, with commitment from Tavian St. Clair, and you get this guy for two thousand twenty six? you know, oh my goodness. So now Carter Lowe, uh, I've had a crystal ball on him for a long time. Um, I look for him to make his decision before the end of this month in all likelihood. He told me, I don't know, a week and a half so go, whatever, that his decision decision was coming soon. Still like Ohio State a lot in his recruitment. And, again, he's supposed to come back to Ohio State this weekend. Um, But the one thing I'll say is people expect, well, who do you have on commitment watch? Who's going to announce their decision by the end of the day on Sunday? Doesn't happen that way very often, almost ever. It usually takes a little time. So Bucknuts members, fans, don't be down if nobody announces a commitment on saturday or sunday there are at least six guys visiting this weekend that i think will or very well could end up at ohio state
1: very impressive that list of guys coming so we've got jared curtis and we also mentioned carter low tight end nate roberts we have got uh, maxwell riley dom kirks marquise davis and jonah williams now, Jonah
0: Williams is
2: not coming.
1: But he's on your list here of guys that could eventually pull the trigger. That's bad, Mark, when I give you that list, who jumps out to you?
2: I love Curtis, the quarterback. I was watching his film this morning, and, and Bill said it. It took like six or seven plays. Uh, he does that thing where he can flick it, where when you watch him flick it, he can throw as hard as most humans do when they throw it, when they get their body into it. Um, but he's a pocket passer, just stands there so calmly in the pocket, just – one of those guys who catches a snap and doesn't move his feet and then he steps and throws you know it's Ooh. like he's he's playing the okey-doke with you like am I, am I actually awake am i a possum and then you see this cannon you know rip out of there he also has the feet uh in the first couple plays you see a couple of good scrambles but if you keep watching you can see what an athlete he is that that's probably why he's the number one player in that class and all i can think of is it seems like two podcasts ago we said is Aaron Nolan scaring away, uh, Tavian St. Clair, St. Clair scared away the next guy. Boy, these guys are all scary. I mean, if you're a person who gets scared, this isn't the place to be because these kids are all talented, and like, you know, lights out. It really is impressive. I mean, and the arm strength on this one is special.
1: Everybody's goal who plays quarterback in the United States right now is to be the next CJ Stroud. That doesn't hurt. Believe me. Um, When you settle in on Sunday or you settle in and watch the playoff game, um, and there's going to be more coverage, keep in mind, Stroud's not going anywhere. He's going to be uh, a very well-known individual. He's going to get interviewed a lot, and he's going to give credit out a lot of how he got where he is, and that credit will be due, so that will offset the – Kyle McCord experience as it were. Cause I think that's held against day and it's looking like it's an outlier. Um, there are some other interesting guys in there. Bill Maxwell Riley is a name we've brought up. Uh, I have said that um, in order for Ohio state to really be great, they need to get some luck within the state on the offensive line. You just need to hopefully produce a couple monsters. Do you find Riley to be in the Carter low, you know, Paris Johnson lineage?
0: Yeah, he, um, He's really good. I mean, uh, he has a chance to be – I don't know exactly yet what position he'll play in college. It could be tackle, could be guard. We'll see. He's only a 2026 guy. But I like him a lot, and I like Ohio State a lot for him. I've got him crystal ball to Ohio State. And uh, that reminds me, too, you said Ohio State being kind of fortunate when it comes to offensive linemen. Sam Greer is supposed to be at Ohio State this weekend, too, from – Akron Hoban, 2026 offensive tackle. Uh, And getting off the offensive line, Elbert Hill, tremendous cornerback prospect, 2026. He's supposed to be at Ohio State this weekend as well. So uh, those guys definitely need mentioned. And going back real quick to Jonah Williams, he is the safety out of Texas. There's one of the top safeties in the country, 2025, uh, has been to Ohio State, was going to make it back, uh, this weekend, but as I put on Bucknuts uh, a couple days ago, I think it was, um, he's rescheduled that. He it looks like he'll be at Texas this weekend instead, but he's rescheduled Ohio State for February 3rd. So Jonah Williams, as I mentioned a couple days ago on Bucknuts, he's going to be at Ohio State February 3rd, not this weekend. He's impressive,
1: Mark, your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I really like Maxwell Riley. He was the first player I went to see this year in Week One, um, and he, because he's so young, Bill alluded to it. I'm not sure what position he'll be yet because he hasn't really finished out the you know the paws. He's like one of those baby uh, puppies that has the big paws. You see him flopping out there. As His shoes look like they're size 15 or something. Uh, but I saw him at the uh, T3 Performance Offensive Line Camp this summer, and he was the best guy there. Uh, When you throw in, he's the youngest that gives him the most upside. Uh, But he was really a talent that, you know, you can get him committed. And then Sam Greer, we've alluded seeing him. I've seen him at a workout at Hoban when he was working out in shorts, but he was injured at the beginning portion of the year when I went to see them play. Uh, So the tape of him was outstanding. But those two right there, uh, Bill, I'm going to steal your comment. If Ohio doesn't send us great offensive linemen, we're in trouble. I mean, if the top three or four guys in Ohio aren't enough to be national level top guys, that, that's what Ohio's been known for since I've been doing this. Since 2004, 2005, when Scouting Ohio existed, the, the linemen it just seemed always rolled in every year. And, yeah, there are some misses every year. But if these guys at the top of the class can be hits, it, it really mm-hmm. makes Ohio State's life easier because they don't have to go out on the national trail and fight battles. They have kids that are homegrown.
0: Carter Lowe, Lowe, Maxwell Riley, and Sam Greer. What what more could you ask for in the next two years from the state of
1: Ohio? Yeah, that's awesome. Excuse me. I watched Greer play hoops the other night for Hoban. And, you know, it's like uh, pattern recognition or I'm old, but I've seen enough young players now when they were younger to kind of get a vibe on what they are. And he just looks like an NFL lineman. He's enormous, dude. Like, he's really a big human being. And and what I love about him, I don't like the this – is, this is preference, Mark, and you can disagree with this. I don't like the guys that are fully jacked and fully built out uh, when they're younger. I, I like the guys that are kind of like country strong, that have like that layer of strength, and then they put the big boy strength on top of that. When I've been in the NFL locker rooms, th- those are the big guys that are the tackles. That's what Sam Greer looks like, a huge dude naturally that then threw on – like a $100 suit on his upper body, and it's just impressive. And his feet move well.
2: He does look unbelievable for a young kid. I've seen a few other like that in my day where you're just keep doing the double take where you're like, I don't see college-level kids this developed and this athletic at that size. And it's scary because you you don't want to pronounce them the next coming of Christ, but they look like it. And every now and then it goes wrong on you. So as a scout, I'm a little tentative. And and I've also seen kids at that age that look like they can't get their left foot in front of their right that are in the NFL right now. Sure. So, you know, like that's not Greer, though. No, that isn't super
1: coordinated.
2: That's not. So, when you see one like this, you're you're, you're real quick to pencil him in as NFL left tackle, 15 years. You know, like it's, it just seems like that is the natural progression. And it's hard for anything to really get in the way of that unless it's him getting in the way of himself, not to digress. Uh, But yeah seeing these young kids, like you said, you've seen, you and I have seen enough of them, but it, it's always scary when you annoy. I, I
0: was, I, I was up at the St. Edwards um, Akron Holman game at the end of the season, near the end of the regular season. And um, at that point, Greer was still coming back from his injury. Uh, so he was not in pads. He was not suited out. He did not play that game. He got back to the playoffs and, and got into action again and started for Holman. But at that point, He was uh, in street clothes, and Akron Hoban's got a lot of big guys. Sam Greer still stood out in street clothes among all of the Akron Hoban players in full pad uniforms, and and Sam Greer still stood out. He's that big.
1: I'll finish with this. Doug Shepard. I remember watching Sam Greer play basketball as a freshman in the state playoffs, and I couldn't believe how he moved for someone that big at the age of a fluid athlete. Akron Hoban won the state championship, and I could make an argument he was the MVP of the championship game. He's not just a big dude. He has, like, hand-eye coordination. He had, like, basketball instincts. Yeah. Well, he's tremendous. So we will keep an eye on Sam Greer and the rest. Big weekend coming up, visit-wise. I'm going to let these guys run off and bring in Steve Hellwagon. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. And look who it is, Steve Hellwagon. They can change athletic directors. They cannot change Steve Hellwagon. He will be there.
3: I'm still here. Steve. They can't, can't get rid of me. I'm, I'm like a bad penny that just keeps cropping
1: up. We call up. that consistency in the business, Steve. We call that <laughs> reliable. We call that a mainstay. Yeah. So put it in perspective. This is how many press conferences for you. E- e- e who would be better to write Gene Smith's autobiography? I don't want to throw you a bone there, but you were there for the whole tenure. Yeah. Um,
3: I've got a copy of Bucknuts the Magazine uh, from 2005 when uh, he showed up at a basketball game and was introduced and he was on the cover of Bucknuts the Magazine back in 2005. I think Ted Ginn Jr. was the big picture. <laughs> and Gene off and running. Smith, yeah. but A couple of Cleveland guys, you know, and uh, Gene, 19 years. uh, People love him or hate him. Uh, I think on the whole, he did a pretty good job. And Ohio State's been a fixture, you know, for most of that tenure, particularly in football. I mean, they've been arguably the most consistent football program in the country since 2004, 2005. Uh, So when I was a student, Rick Bay was the athletic director and he resigned. Uh, when, uh, they fired Earl Bruce in November of 1987, he resigned on the spot Mm
2: because he wasn't
3: going to fire him himself. And then Jim Jones took over and he was there for about eight or nine years. And then they brought in Andy Geiger and his edict was go build it, you know, uh, refurbish the stadium, which they did in 2000, built the Schottenstein center, uh, built the softball stadium, built the baseball stadium. Uh, built the Jesse Owens track stadium. So he did all that, uh, built the tennis center. I mean, it. although that may have come later on and then uh, he was basically lynched in a broadcast of the Alamo bowl with all of the issues in the program and choice of extra benefits and uh, Kirk curb street sat in the corner as uh I'm trying to think who it was. If it was Mike Tirico and somebody just completely eviscerated Andy Geiger uh, during the course of the broadcast, and the the president uh, Holbrook uh, dropped the lightning bolt that Andy had to go, that he would be the guy that would fall on the sword for everybody, and he quietly left, uh, took his ball, and went home, he retired for a little bit. They ended up at Milwaukee, I think, for a little bit as a D at Milwaukee before going back into uh, retirement. They brought in Gene Smith. Now, 19 years later, he is leaving. Ooh. And uh, they're bringing in Ross Bjork uh, from Texas A&M. He was introduced. Uh, Kind of interesting. I think a lot of people thought maybe Pat Chun from Washington State, who had ties to Gene Smith, would be the odds-on favorite uh, to get this job. But uh, there was an advisory committee that worked on this uh, even before Ted Carter, the uh, former Nebraska president who took over January 1st. They had already started uh, looking at this. And uh, had a group of candidates that they vetted and came down with and uh, handed that off to Ted Carter. Ted Carter said they did not rank their candidates one, two, three. They just handed him, let's, let's just say for the sake of discussion, three guys or three women or, or three three people. Obviously, one of them was a man, Ross Bjork. And uh, so Ted Carter was involved with the final inter- interview phase. He had three criteria that he was really looking for, Uh, somebody that would take Ohio State's uh, uh, issues and put them to the forefront in the Big Ten, somebody that looked after the student athletes, somebody that would hold his hand and take him into this new level, this new frontier of intercollegiate athletics where they're going to have to pay the players, and there's a new playoff format and potentially new NCAA governance for the power four conference football schools and so on and so forth and he found he checked all the boxes he said far and away with ross bjork uh was the guy so not ross obviously another part of this that uh, really hasn't been discussed a whole lot his mother linda is from williamtown williamstown or williamtown ohio which is up near finley and uh, she moved away uh in her early adult years to Colorado, then Kansas, Uh, she and her husband uh, for for work. And so uh, Ross did not grow up in Ohio, but he had uh, grandparents that lived in Ohio, and they would come back for holidays. So he's got some Ohio in him, and he had 30, 35 family members there on hand yesterday. A great celebration, about 500 people at the Cavelli Center yesterday. A lot of the athletes, of course, a lot of the staff members wanted to come out and meet their new boss.
1: Here's what I find interesting about him. One, his last name, Bjork. Bjork. I've already made the joke about he's not an Icelandic singer-songwriter. If you're going to share a name with someone, that's just a goofy one. But yeah, for those who do not know uh, the athletic directors by heart of every Power 5 school, I think many people were introduced to Bjork last month or the month before when he was getting rid of Jimbo Fisher. And that uh, buyout became so well-known. Ross Bjork was the one who had to get up there and explain it. What do you what do you think of that? And yeah, let's talk about the fact that look, every time we start talking about nil, one of the teams that comes up is Texas A and M. So he clearly knows what he's doing when it comes to that.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, Ted Carter uh, during his Ted, the way this worked, Gene Smith spoke first. introduced ted carter who really has never done a public press conference at ohio state till yesterday he's been on the job 18 days now today is the 18th of january so this was kind of a baptism by fire for uh, ted carter and he got up there and talked about the reasons why he hired ross bjork and then ross bjork got up there and spoke for about 15 or 20 minutes just from the heart about you know his past and whatever Then they did a Q and a session with Ted Carter for about 15 minutes. And then probably 20 to 30 minutes with Ross Bjork answered questions. So the first one to answer questions was Ted Carter and Tim may, who's actually been on this beat longer than I have piped up and said, Ted Carter, what did you think of the whole Jimbo Fisher episode? And, uh, were you satisfied with his answer? And again, I didn't live through this, so I don't know it by heart, but we all know that they hired him away from Florida State thinking he was the second coming, and he got them to an Orange Bowl like three or four years ago, and they decided that they didn't want LSU, which was losing at Orgeron at the time, I believe, to snap up Jimbo Fisher. Right.
1: So yeah, – ties there and such.
3: Yeah. So, like, after 2021, I my time element may or may – I know that Bjork got there in 19 – and may have been around the same time as Fisher. I I don't know the exact. I'd have to look it all up. But uh, at any rate, he was certainly there for the end of the Fisher run. And uh, so they reward him with this 10-year deal, $95 million, whatever it was. And Jimbo gets a year and a half into it, midway through the 2023 season, and it's not going well. And it's not going well in spectacular fashion. And so, basically, Ross portrayed that he was handed the contract extension to give it to Fisher, saying that they didn't want to lose Fisher to the LSU because he had just taken Texas A&M to the Orange Bowl, and they thought, this is our guy that's going to get us national championships. So they, the big money Dilbert, Texas A&M ponied up the cash to keep Jimbo Fisher and gave him him his marching orders, basically, and said, you go – lock this guy up and so it's been portrayed that Bjork gave him the extension and then Bjork fired him well you know I don't know that either is true but Bjork had to engineer all of this and uh was on the hook for 75 million dollars three times larger than any coach had ever been bought out in NCAA history and I don't know who the lucky 25 million dollars seriously but uh (laughs) You know, this guy, Ross Bjork, you know, he he rocked the vote, you know, to get that $75 million together in about 14 minutes to get rid of Jimbo Fisher at midseason. Like six games into the season, they off this guy this past year when they knew it wasn't going to work out. He was also put on edge about uh, Hugh Freeze. Uh, they backed Hugh Freeze to the hilt until it came out back at Ole Miss, you know, a decade ago, until it came out that he was using company – resources to, to book uh, liaisons with uh, uh, women and whatever I don't know so uh, at that point he had to he had to go but uh, again Ross at that point was backing uh, his coach you freeze until such time that you know, it was untenable to, to back him anymore and then he had they had to cut ties with him so he's been through some tough situations and uh, as Ted Carter said uh, any good sailor, I don't know, there's a sailor reference in here from our Choppy guy. Waters, maybe. Choppy Waters, good sailors not made on still waters or mm-hmm. something or the other, so we're, uh, we're getting us a good sailor, it sounds like.
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, what's really interesting about that is in between, Jimbo signed the number one recruiting class in the country. Yeah. So I think that exacerbated the issue, like you're not getting it right, and you got these guys, you don't know what you're doing, and then it kind of devolved from there. Last questions. We'll go with this one. Where do you rank the Ohio state job as an athletic director job? I was thinking it's gotta be up there. It's gotta be up there. And then two, this is really the the crux of what I want to get from you. He did not hire Ryan day and he did not hire Chris Holtman. And when guys eventually leave, um, you will get the comment. Well, that wasn't Bjork's guy. That was that happens. It every NFL coacher gets fired now. Well, that wasn't the GM's original hire. Blah blah blah.
3: Yeah, Ron Rivera got rid of Haskins because he wasn't his guy. You know, you, what you
1: just you just don't know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> what is your impression on Bjork in terms of Day um, and Holtman, and then maybe where the job fits in overall?
3: Well you kind of take what he said at face value yesterday that he believes day is the guy that's going to put Ohio state over the top and he's going to do everything he can to give him the resources he needs to put Ohio state over the top. And he uh, called him an elite leader, a uh, big time football coach, a brilliant football mind, et cetera, which I think we've all seen that uh, in some regard in his first five years as the Ohio state coach. I mean, what he did as a coordinator was fabulous. What he did the first couple of years Had some hard luck situations, and uh, I'm actually being interviewed today by Buckeye Sports Bulletin, the the old weekly newspaper, and uh, they're doing a story about Ryan Day's first five years, and one of the things that I'm going to talk about with them is as an offensive-minded coach, I think he neglected the defense, and there was a uh, revolving door on the defensive side with the coaches, with Halfley, and then Combs, and then Knowles, and Assistance coming and go, Larry Johnson's the only constant that's been there, and so uh, to me, I think Day uh, has has realized that and has redoubled the recruiting efforts on that side. And so I think that Day is well positioned uh, to do everything that uh, that uh, Ross Bjork talked about. It's just a matter of executing it now, and of course beating Michigan. But, again, this is not a popular thing for me to say. There's going to be a year coming up where Alabama loses to Auburn and wins the national championship. Somebody said it already happened, I guess. And there's going to be a year where Ohio State loses to Michigan and wins the national championship, and Michigan loses to Ohio State and wins the national championship. I don't know what year that's going to be, but you no longer that's no longer the end-all, be-all to get you to the finish line. So uh, I'm not apologizing or trying to make uh, – you know, excuses for losing to Michigan. There's no excuse for it. But uh, so I think he's back in day to the hilt. Holtman, I don't think he has any idea what he's walking into. And I've covered Ohio State basketball since 1988. And, you know, every time somebody shows up, whether it was Jim O'Brien and Paul Biancardi and Rick Boyajis a thousand years ago, or then it was Thad Mata and Dan Peters and John Gross, and whoever the other guy was that they had at that time that walked through the door with them, and then finally Chris Holtman, I have routinely sat them down and said, welcome to Ohio State. Here's your problem. And, you know...
1: How do they respond to that, Steve?
3: Thank you for letting us know what's going on.
1: Couldn't you Holtman, have told me that before I signed?
3: Yes. Holtman, Holtman, I thought, in his first two or three years, combated a lot of that and really assimilated well and they had great success his first two years were pretty good and then you know it's kind of he's gotten worn down by it and uh, you know in you know public sentiment's running 99 to 1 against Holtman right now and it's unfortunate cuz as uh, i think Ross York said yesterday he seems like a really nice guy i think there's been a lot of factors but uh you know, we could go spend a whole hour talking about what's wrong with Ohio State basketball beyond the coach, just beyond the coach. The building sucks. There's no parking, you know, etc. It's Nobody wants to walk there's a half no mile. Buzz. Yeah, and there's no buzz to it. Where's and, and the buzz? Part of that's to the coach. But uh, so at any rate, uh, I'm going to tell you that the timing works in Chris Holtman's favor because Adam Jardy, the basketball beat writer for the dispatch, asked Ted Carter – Who's making the decisions in this interim period? And Ted Carter said unequivocally, Gene Smith is our athletic director until June 30th. Well, you know who hired Chris Holtman was Gene Smith. Gene Smith is not admitting failure on his way out the door by firing Chris Holtman. I can guarantee, I can, unless they lose the next 14 games like they did last year, oh, they are not going to fire Chris Holtman. So, or at least Gene Smith isn't going to do it. So unless Ted Carter says to him, get rid of him. So that's kind of where they're at on that. And it, it would be weird for Ross Bjork to come in on July 1st and say, okay, we've got to make a change. Uh, late changes like that don't work very well. It screws with your recruit. You'd have a hard time putting a team on the court next year. But, you know, if they feel they got to uproot it, then they got to uproot it. But, uh, so that's the long and short of it. I, I don't envision and apparently uh, people afterward were saying that the buyout is still north of $15 million, even after this season for Chris Holtman. You know, I said, well, this guy raised $75 million to get rid of uh, Jimmy. Yeah, but, guy. but people cared, you know, people cared right. about Texas a football. At this point, finding anybody that gives a shit about Ohio State basketball is kind of hard to kind of hard to find.
1: Yeah, it's challenging. Yeah. Um...
3: They got an uphill battle and it starts Saturday. They got to hit a U-turn in the middle of the freeway and go back the other direction, 75 miles per hour, or it's going to get really, really ugly, really, really quick.
1: Yeah. When I watched him play Michigan, Michigan God. has, unfortunately has, has better players than they do. Six and 10 and, Michigan. And they have. that's my point. And they have better players. I'm just, it's very hard to win without a guaranteed pro. In there, and the problem is at Ohio State, we don't have the guaranteed pro. And then when we get him, he gets so much responsibility early on that he kicks ass and he goes and he's like the top three pick in the draft. Yep. And so it creates this vacuum and this repetitive cycle where they can never build any consistency. The four and um,
3: five positions are absolutely killing them, and par is doing everything he can, but Zed Key has been a total zero, yeah. and they get nothing out of the power. If you figure that Mahaffey is the power forward with Middleton filling in. That you know, or you know, it's all semantics. You call battle yeah. the power forward, however you want to put it. I mean, three games in a row they failed to defend Renault. Yeah, he did double. Didn't double after the game. Holtman said, "Well, we had double teams planned, but we just didn't. We just didn't do it." And the guy in the last ten minutes took him apart. Then they uh, made
1: Renault look like an NBA player.
3: Yes, they made him look like Trace Jackson Davis, which he couldn't hold Trace Jackson Davis as jock on his best day. And then uh, Klezman from Wisconsin took them apart. Uh, they got beat on dribble drives in the last five minutes of the Wisconsin game. Chucky Hepburn took them to the basket. And then in this game, guiding guy named Terrence Williams III, their fourth option was five for five on threes. And I think he shot all of them with nobody within 15 feet of it. So here, take it. Guys, a 38% three-point shooter. Just take it. Just take
1: it. Uh, Fine, DC native, I might add. Same high school. The dots don't Williams.
3: connect with this program right yeah. now, and they got to get it figured out. They just got to get it figured out, or they're all going to be, you know, out on the street. That's just fact of the matter. It's not. It's not show friends. It's show business, and uh, this has gone on way too long.
1: Yeah, it's. The, the, you know, when you watch a team routinely, I think you should get a vibe for their rotations, what they like to do. You kind of get it, like, of their plan. And I, I'm having a hard time, like figuring out the plan. Like when they see something, they 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 don't necessarily react the same way every time. It's just kind of inconsistent.
3: The vibe that I get, Dan, is a sense of terrible foreboding. That's the vibe that I get. Yeah. Uh, we were sitting there yesterday, and somebody said even when they got ahead by four with five minutes to go,
1: didn't feel just good. thought
3: what what's where's, where's 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 danger coming? You know. They got outscored 18 to six in the last few minutes of that game, and Wisconsin was 19 to four in the last five minutes of that game. It's a 40 minute game. And, uh, you know, and, and here's the thing the strength of their record just isn't there. West Virginia's terrible. UCLA's terrible. Uh, Santa Clara's okay. They may actually win that conference. Uh, Alabama has kind of struggled a little bit. They're, they got a worse record than Ohio State. So, uh, you know, uh, the wins just aren't there. Minnesota's maybe one of their best wins, and they can't beat anybody. They're no good either. So you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, um, it's not. There's, no, there's mean, no resume. There's no resume. No, I'm
3: opinion. telling you,
1: I, I. It's not. I'm just telling you, it's not good that there's a new AD for Holtman. I know that it's good, that, probably for the in the expansion of or the Gene finishing off his job, but it's just a lot easier to fire someone when you're not tight with them. It just is. Yeah, and I'll
3: tell you something that got my ear yesterday was Ted Carter talking about there's 18 teams in the Big Ten, and that's just a sobering thought because Good Lord, you can't get. Where 18, do they rank? Yeah, you can't get 18 people to agree on anything these days. And now, now I will say this: uh, our guy uh, Tony Patiti did get 13 people to agree on one thing. You need to throw sure the book did. at the. You throw the book at those people. <laughs> that. That vote was 13 to zero with one abstention. <laughs> so was. Yeah. I
1: mean, that, that
3: was one area where, where there was a, a coalescence. A, uh, a, you know, there a, was a, 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 a quorum. Mutual agreement. There was a quorum on that one. But oh, yeah. 18 people aren't going to agree on nothing. And we saw this with the Mountain West and the West Grand Athletic Conference 20 years ago. They combined them as one 18-team league. The issue with an 18-team league is at the end of the year, only one team is the champion and 17 teams are not, and they're all upset. And uh, I think this thing's going to go together. Maybe the money will keep it together because the regular season money is where it's at. But at some point, Illinois and some of these schools are going to look at it and say, why are we doing this and getting our head racked in? Oh, they're paying all of our bills. Okay. Okay and they're going to have to make a value decision that, you know can we splinter off and do something that's meaningful for us i i don't know
1: i'll finish with this i do think the best thing that's happening to the basketball team now is the football team adding high profile players and reinjecting optimism into the fan base because if you had had to go through this season after the Cotton Bowl, if there hadn't been any improvement, good Lord, the sour taste in everyone's mouth would have been brutal. But um, yeah. we shall see. All right. We appreciate Steve offering his unique brand of wit and wisdom. He's seen it happen. He will be here for Ross Bjork's replacement. I guarantee you that, people. That's what we do here at Buck Nuts. And if he's not, I certainly won't be either. Hope everyone Can't had a leave. great day. Have a good one, Buck Nutters.